Hi there and welcome to Raising Resilient Teens, the podcast version. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm so grateful you're here with me today, where we talk about all things teenagers, raising teenagers and the joys that go with it. With that, let's kick it off. there and welcome back to another episode of Raising Resilient Teens. My name is Sasha Lester and I will be your host for the next 45 minutes-ish. Today I'm joined by Jessica Spear who currently lives in Colorado but I just found out she used to live in Melbourne so she is well aware of of all the Aussie terminology, so it's going to be a hoot, I just know. Jessica is an award-winning author, having written two books around those teenage years. She is she has a master's degree in social sciences and likes to explore topics in ways that connect with children. Jessica, welcome. Thank you for being here. Having me, Sasha. I'm excited to chat with you. And I'm excited to be back in Australia. I've missed it. The bio I read just now was was very short and sweet because I wanted to like throw it to you to tell the audience a little bit or a lot about you, your background. Please bring in Melbourne and, you know, what, what you do. And yeah, over to you. Sure. So I write at this stage in my journey, I'm writing books for preteens and early teens, all on social emotional topics. And just with my background in social sciences, I've always been fascinated with relationships. And then as a mother of two now teen girls, I got especially interested in the complexities of these adolescents, adolescent years, you know, the preteens, the early teens. So I dove in on what I like to do for my research and writing is is really dive in with kids and then you know that my books grew out of that so my first book which is called BFF or NRF not really friends a girl's guide to happy friendships grew out of a friendship program that I ran for girls and then my second book middle school safety goggles advise and, and I know you don't use the terminology middle school there but for here it's you know grade six through grade eight um, it grew out of time time I spent in seventh grade classrooms which is you know right as kids are you know in the early adolescence and that prompts a lot of changes in their world too so I wanted to write a book really specifically about what happens in those you know those preteen years socially and emotionally and and I see the book, we're just on Zoom at the moment for all the listeners, I see the book um, behind you, BFF, Best Friends Forever, NRF, Not Really Friends, and then I've got another one that, like, they're either your really close friends and everyone else is kind of associates type thing that, you know, they come and go. Yes. What's your explanation like on Not Really Friends? I'm picking up that they say they're friends, but they're not really friends. Is that where it's stemmed from? Yeah, and that's a great question. And that's a term that I kind of came up with myself because what I see that happens a lot in the preteen years for girls is there, there tends to be a lot of transition in friendships. You know, maybe one day they are good friends and then maybe, you know, next year or the year after they're not really friends at all. So, and so I wanted to just, first of all, acknowledge that because when we look at research, there's a ton of transitions in friendships all throughout childhood. You know, so sometimes we as parents might have an expectation that, oh, this is such a great friendship. It's going to last a long time. But when we look at research, 
actually that's not true at all. You know, for, for early, you know, early elementary kids, primary school, you know, friendships might change every single year based on who, you know, the kids are in class with and what's going on. You know, sometimes there might be some longer term ones. Then we get to the early adolescent years and there's even more change as kids are entering puberty and their interests are changing and, you know, what they're looking for in friendship is changing. So, so what's really happening on the ground are all sorts of transitions in friendship. So when I was working with kids, I wanted to make them aware of that because sometimes you know, kids can look at themselves and like, hey, what's what's wrong with me? Why what happened there? But you know, if they just understand that, you know, friendships have different phases and change over time, and that's okay. And it, and and sometimes I've seen kids circle back. So they might grow apart for a few years, and they might grow back together. So that book is filled with what I call friendship truths. All these nuances to friendship. And one of those friendships truths is, you know, friendships have different phases and change mm-hmm. over time. I remember, and I'm going to bring in my daughter a lot to this episode. I think she's going to get a lot of airtime because she always complains that it's always about my son. When we were picking my the primary school for my daughters, so um, to go from like daycare to her first school, we went to this interview at the little Catholic school down the road. And like we were the first interview for the first intake. We were there prompt and early because I had to get to work. Everything was like swimmingly and like she sat perfectly and and at the end of the conversation the principal at the time turned around and said oh and Addison do you have any questions and I'm thinking no, no no she won't she spun around on her seat and she's like well I have two actually and I'm like oh my god here we go <laughs> and you know the principal is very entertaining she's like oh yes you know what what's your questions Addie and she said well I didn't see a playground down there. Are there playgrounds? Because we need to play, you know. And he's like, yes, we've got a playground and, you know, you can do this and that. And she's like, oh, okay, well, that's good. And then she said, my friend Sophia, she's coming here next year. Well, I'd like to be in the same class. So do you think that would be possible? And he's like, oh, most definitely, Addie, you know, we'll have a look at that. Do you know Sophia's last name? And he's like, no, just Sophia. That's it, Sophia. And it was great because Sophia did end up going to the school and they were great friends, like the entire duration of primary school, come year six when they finished and then they started high school, there was, you know, the divide of, you know, groups of girls would be going to different high schools and Addie was one of those and um, she didn't go where a lot of the other kids went because they went to a private school and at the time I couldn't afford it. So she went to um, a, a public school. A, I don't have any friends and B, I'm going to really miss my old friends. And I said, honey, if they're friends, then they will keep those you know, friendships going. But if not, then that's okay because they're just moving in different circles. And they have fallen out of, like, I suppose, regular friendship contact, but, you know, they're still connecting, like, on Snapchat and Insta. And she found going to like the new the new school really hard at the at the start because I think it's the friendships and the networks that get you through the school day, really. 
Oh, for sure. Yes, it's super important. And I love that, you know, that early principle was going to place them together because it is really important for kids to feel like they have a good friend, you know, nearby. And it actually helps them academically too. You know, they, it's not a great idea to separate a bunch of friends, you know, together. They do well. Most of the time, it helps them socially and emotionally. And when they're doing well socially and emotionally, they're going to do better academically. So I love that. But I also love how you responded to, you your response was basically just stay open because we don't know, you know, that if we, as if we as parents don't, don't throw any judgment or anything on that. We just encourage our kids to, you know, stay open to changes because we know as adults that friendships do change over the course of our lives in, in all sorts of directions. So encouraging our kids to just, just to go along for that ride too, because, you know, they're growing and changing so much and their situations are changing. So, you know, you know, the more open they can stay to that change, you know, the better positioned they'll be just to, to make new friends and make, you know, smoother transitions in and out of relationships. And I think everyone listening will have at least one or two stories about where their child's come to them and they've been in tears because something's happened in their friendship circle. And it's it's pretty gut-wrenching for an adult. Like, you know that they're going to get over it somehow, and you, but they don't get it at the time, which is, you know, which is hard. Yeah. And you know what I like to talk to kids about too, and parents, is, you know, you know, in these early years, kids are just developing these relationship skills. And there's a lot of skills that go into this. You know, there's honesty and there's trust and there's flexibility and there's cooperation. You know, so, so there's a lot of skills that kids are learning. So what I find helpful there is if parents and caregivers can stay focused on that. So, so say something, you know, really heart-wrenching happens at school to your kid. You know, it's really easy for us as the parent to throw a label on that kid. You know, that kid is blank, you know, but really what's happening is that kid is, is lacking in some skills, you know? And so, so if we can kind of keep, keep it at that level instead of labeling and categorizing people, because the truth is these kids are learning these skills. They're young and, you know, they're growing and changing. And, and what we see now that I'm on the tail end of this with high schoolers, I love looking back at kids I knew very young and they're really different people. You know, we're all, you know, all changing all the time. So, so let's watch the labels. Let's stay focused on skills. And all we can really control as parents is helping our kids develop, you know, healthy, strong relationship skills. That's really, that's, that's the only thing that we can help our kids with, you know, and, and helping them, you know, navigate their emotions and, and change. But, you know, that's really what we can do as parents is, is be there to validate and support their, you know, their emotions and, you know, help them develop the skills so that as they grow into adulthood, they're, they're coming out with a really strong set of, of skills. Talk to me about the friendship pyramid. Yes. And so that's in my first book, the BFF or yeah. NRF one. And yeah. okay, so picture this in your head for everyone who's just listening. So, you know, there's a shape of a pyramid, just a triangle. And at the very tippy top, um, I have close friends. And these are the friends that feel pretty special. You know, they're the ones that we feel more comfortable and safe, you know, sharing our thoughts and emotions with. And these friendships are harder to find. So what I've seen working with kids, most kids go through a period of time where there's a little gap there. There there might be a transition. Maybe they move to a school or maybe they're moving out of a friendship group. So that can feel really um 
really scary. You know, if they don't at a certain period of time know exactly who their closest friends are. But what I like to tell kids is that's okay because underneath the close friends is a really big bucket with, I just label friends. And now since kids are communicating so much online, I use this term really loosely because I think it's used, it's, it's loosely used in society. So, Friends could be your neighbors. It could be your classmates. It could be your teammates. It's people that, you know, you know and like, but you don't know them as well that you're, you're not sharing maybe your deepest, you know, thoughts and emotions. So, and of course it's not perfect because no relationship is perfect. So I like kids to know that that's, you know, they have friends in that friend bucket they might not have been thinking of, you know, their cousins who they live next door to, you know, who's in the classroom next door. So keeping that really broad because there's always possibility out there for some close friends in that group. And then the base layer of the pyramid is acquaintances. And those are all the people that, you know, kids might not know, but they see around town. Um, but running up and down the side of the pyramid is the arrow with the word change. And that gets back to that friendship truth I talked about earlier. It's in, you know, in kids' worlds, it's not uncommon for a close friend to, you know, maybe scale back to a friend and maybe even an acquaintance or for an acquaintance to grow really quickly into a close friend. So yeah, just- Yeah, that was my question, you know, yeah. like, um, that, that they go up and down. How many roughly would you- or have you experienced that are in that top tier, close friend, tipping top point? For most of us, and this includes adults too, because this takes time and energy um, to develop these. And, it, and, and I can, and they, the studies include family too. So most people have between two and five close friends and family members, you know, because at that young age, you know, they, a lot of their support system might be family too. So, so kids through, all through adulthood, you know, usually we have the, the capacity to grow into a close relationship with like two to five people. And beyond that, it's, it's really hard, you know, to, to find the time, um, you know, and even the, the connection with, with more than five. I've just drawn my diagram. Oh, yay. Oh, okay. So, so what, tell me what you got at the, you, how many do you have at the top? And you can include family members if you want. Yeah, no, and I kind of work on a circle, like my inner circle, um, and I've always explained it to Harry and Addie, that in your inner circle, there's only three or four or five people that you allow into your inner circle, and they've got to really earn their trust to come into that inner circle. Like, not everyone, they don't just get to be in the inner circle, and then you've figure out, oh, yeah, you know, you're awesome, you can stay in my inner circle and then kick them out because it's it's harder to get rid of them out of that inner circle or, you know, the top of the pyramid, but they've got to really earn that right to to be in there because that's, you know, that's really close personal stuff. Like that's the deep, dark secrets and that's, you know, all of what's happening. And if they go from that inner circle and they move to, you have it as friends. I have it as um, associates. I think I put, um, I really have two, I suppose. They're either in that inner circle or they're out in the acquaintances. And if you move from that inner circle and you, you know, you go out to the friends or acquaintances, then there's potential damage there as well because they've, they've got all your inner secrets as well. And, you know, kids aren't stupid. They choose their friends very wisely and they know what to, what to say to people. Just interesting that you, that you say it because it was, yeah, like 
okay, I can relate to this. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love how you explain that because you're right. At that very top level, you know, there's a level of trust where those relationships feel very safe. And so that's the word I use. And I'm not necessarily physically safe, but emotionally safe. And I like to let kids know that, that notice the friendships that feel like that, because those are pretty special. You know, and you're going to have lots of other friendships too, and that's awesome. But notice the ones that feel like that, because that's great for kids to start to recognize that. Um, and then later in life, that's really important to notice in our romantic relationships, you know, which our relationships feel very safe and supportive. That's, that's a great um, skill for kids to start to know which of their friendships feel like that. And also, you know, learning the lessons that you're right. You Sometimes you disclose things only with this group and not with others. So, so mm-hmm. learning that discernment about what we do disclose is important. And, you know, and most kids make some mistakes here because they're kids, you know, but, the, you know, through our mistakes, we learn. Like maybe we disclose something to somebody too early and that, you know, bites us in the end, but that's a great lesson learned that, that we learn. Okay. I want to wait till I make sure I have more trust developed before I really share this, this part of myself. So, so, th- you know, it's all, it's also important, you know, cause those, those close relationships are so important for our well being. You know, they're, they're our go to people. And, you know, for kids, there's a lot more change there often. You know, for adults, there might be, it might settle out and be a little more steady, but for kids, there's, there tends to be a lot of change there and that can feel unsettling. You know, that's why I, I rely on the, the, the bucket underneath that, the friend bucket, because if, you know, there's a falling out or transition and kids don't feel like they have that, you know, that's where we start to tap into just other friends, you know, the friends that we don't have that close of a relationship with, you know, and that becomes real important, you know, who we're sitting with at lunch and, you know, who are we, you know, who's on our sports team, that sort of thing. You've mentioned briefly prior to this about the friendship truths. Do you want to mm-hmm. give a quick rundown on each one of those? Is there nine or sure. is there five? There's, there's nine of them. Um, okay. So let me, I'll start with number one since we just touched on this. So number one, our healthiest friendships feel safe and accepting. Um, so that's really important, especially, you know, in our, as we start to look for more depth in our relationships, which is in the preteen years, kids are looking for more than just play. You know, they're looking for, you know, sh- acceptance and deeper levels of connection. So that's when that truth becomes extra important. Um, friendship truth number two. Everyone develops friendship skills at a different pace. So you heard me mention that. I talk a lot about skills. Number three, friendships have different phases and change over time. Friendship truth number four. I'm realizing I've touched on a lot of these. Um, friendship truth number yeah, four. Yeah, close, yeah. <laughs> close friendships can be hard to find and may not happen until what we call middle school or later. Um, that's what I've seen on the ground is sometimes it's hard to find your, your people. Some kids yep. don't find their people until year eight, you know, or high school. Um, friendship tooth number five. This one is especially true. Um, I found for girls. Um, some kids with strong friendship qualities might not have the most friends and some kids with the most friends might not make the best friends. And what I'm getting to there is there's a phase again in the preteen years where popularity becomes really important. Um, and you know, when popularity becomes important, sometimes kids start looking for that rather than, you know, the qualities of friendship that they're looking for. So that's having them, you know, remind them to keep an eye out for the qualities they're looking for, not necessarily the status of the kids. Um, 
And I'll do one more because I don't want to go on forever. But number sure. six is everyone makes mistakes. Um, and just throwing that out there because, you know, we are human and, you know, kids, especially, you know, we goof up in our, in our friendships. So, so knowing that that happens too, even friends goof up in their friendships and say and do the wrong things. In all your work and your studies, which is the, I suppose, the most common or the strongest of of your truths that has come to light, I suppose. You know, I'll jump to number nine then. Number nine is you choose which of your friendships to grow. Um, so I like to remind kids that they they can choose to put energy into some relationships and not others. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we put so much pressure on kids to, you know, be kind and inclusive, which is so important. But I also think it's important to let kids know that they can choose where they really want to put their energy and spend their free time and, and cultivate the relationships because, you know, not every relationship is a perfect fit, you know, and some are really unhealthy. So I, I'd like to give, you know, kids the authority to, to know that they can put more energy into some friendships and not others. And again, I'm especially talking about the preteen and the teen years, you know, where kids are again looking for deeper levels of connection and trust. Um, so putting that out there so that they know that they, they can do that. That's, that is, that's, that's normal human behavior to really, you know, put more energy into the, the, the friendships that fill us up rather than deplete us. My niece, she she moved schools. She was going to a boarding school in um, in Rockhampton because you know you know yeah. Australia. She said to her mum one day, she said, "Mum, I want to move schools. I'm really unhappy. I want to go to a different school." Kind of came as a bit of a shock to my sister, but not really. And when she spoke to me about it, I just said, "Sis, she hasn't found her tribe. Like the people that the job that she wants to get at the end of her school." school and the university that she wants to wants to go to she knows that you know the people that she's mixing with now are not not her tribe and she's not gelling with them and you know she's come to you with a problem but she's also come to you with a solution because she said mum I want to go to this school or this school so she'd completely done all the homework she'd figured out the subjects that she wanted to take in order to get her to you know, the university that she wants to go to. And I think for parents, it was more of a shock because sometimes parents are on the track of my kids are cool, they've got friends, they're fine, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, everything's not fine. Are there any signs that parents can pick up along the way that it's not all roses and sunshine? Yeah. And sometimes it's hard because kids you know, kids have different levels of what they're going to share with their parents. You know, some kids are very open, so the parents know exactly how things are going socially, and some are very private. So I love that she came up with that solution. That is so cool. And that is not uncommon. So for parents listening, there are some preteens and teens that it takes a while for them to find their people. And sometimes it might be just that, like shifting schools. So one thing that can help at home, I find is, you know, and I, I still work on this myself and I've, I've got teens now, but we just cultivating a space at home that encourages kids to share. And that often means working on our listening skills 
as parents instead of jumping in with any sort of commentary or advice. You know, so, so when kids are going through a tough time socially, um, they're not going to come to us if we're going to try to fix it or we're going to tell them it's all right. You know, they're overreacting. You know, what they want is for us to hear them, to validate their emotions. And often, you know, my favorite line is, Oh, that's so hard. You know, that, that, that's all I need to say is, Oh, that is so hard. So I think we can work to cultivate the space at home. So they do keep sharing with us, you know, and just asking, you know, not not interviewing them, but every now and again, just asking, hey, how's it going? You know, who are you sitting with at lunch? How, how's that friendship going? Just, you know, just every now and again, not an overwhelming way, checking in, reminding them that, hey, I, I remember being your age. Don't hesitate to reach out if you ever need to chat about something. You know, just, just reminding them that we're there to listen. Um, because for some kids, you know, it is a, it's a rough time and it's it's hard when they don't find their people because this is the stage of life where they're individuating. So they're pulling away from us as parents. So the fact that they're pulling away from us as parents and they don't yet have their people, that feels that feels uncomfortable. When kids are little, it's so easy or from the outside, it looks really easy to form friendships. Like they go up to another kid and it's like, oh, hey, do you want to be my best friend? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, no worries. And they're going off and playing. And as it gets older, even into adult years, it's actually really hard. Is that because we're we're wanting them to be super awesome straight away rather than just shoving them in the friend category? Well, and you hit it right on the head. So in those early years, it's all about play. And that makes things simple. You know, we're, we really just want someone to play with. And so then there's this transition that starts for kids at different phases. I find girls start this a little earlier because they're a little head developmentally than boys. But sometime in the preteen years, relationships shift away from play and it's more about shared interest um, and levels of acceptance. So kids can tell if their friend actually isn't totally accepting of them. Um, they also know if they're totally into different things. You know, and this is why friendships tend to shuffle a lot. Like if one kid, let's say a 12-year-old is way into crushes and their friend is not, that's enough right there to cause those two to maybe start to go in some different directions. It could be as simple as that. So they're really looking for deeper levels of connection because they are trying to figure out who they are outside their family. Um, so, and that, and they do that with their peers. Um, there's a lot of testing it out and even testing it out their own personalities. I know, you know, for my, my preteen, when they, my kids are preteens, you know, they were certainly testing out who they are and how they dress and who they, you know, who they're hanging out with. And, and they are trying to figure out who am I outside of this family unit? Are there still the clicky groups, do you find, in teenagers? I do. I, I find that. And, and that's a tough one to navigate. You know, so for my second book, which is called Middle School Safety Goggles Advised, I, I spent quite a bit of time in seventh grade classrooms and I kept asking, you know, what are the trickiest things? And that came up. Clicks and groups, which are sometimes used, you know, the same way, you know, but clicks, you know, if we're going to go by definitions, that tends to be you know, um, not, not allowing others in. So a very, you know, exclusive group and then groups, you know, there's some groups that, that allow kids in and out, but I do see that, um, that is still happening. Um, and, uh, but those groups are always changing too, you know, so, so kids are trying to, you know, maybe get in a group or maybe their, their group that they're in is splitting off into two groups. So, so this is, you know, this is, it's just, it's human nature. I hate to say that, but, you know, from our early years, you know, when we are in groups, we feel safer, you know, so, so 
the kids are doing that because it feels really natural to have a group of kids that are, have shared interests. But as soon as we get a group of people together, that gets a little tricky. <laughs> so, so it's not surprising that there is a lot of conflict and change in groups, you know, especially in the preteen and teen years. We've got our 30 year reunion next year and there's some chatter and talk about it now because, you know, it's kind of under, under 12 months to go. And I know that there's a few people out there that I've spoken to and they're like, I just, you know, I just don't want to go. Like I didn't really enjoy school. I never had many friends. I didn't get along. I wasn't in one of the cool groups and, you know, I just don't need that negative energy back around me anymore. So it's interesting that, you know, even after 30 years, we're still sitting here going, I don't want to go to something because of those clicky groups and those clicky people that were like clicky and you know like the cool kids 30 years ago they're probably not cool anymore and they're probably actually like really nice people and it's strange it's weird it is weird and I I found you researching my book that people have really deep memories from this period um because one, you know, when we are in these in adolescent years, we're feeling our emotions deeper than, you know, the rest of our lives, which creates really deep memories. And two, during these preteen teen years, you know, we really want to fit in. We just we just want to fit in. It's super important. And again, that goes back to that individuation process. We're pulling away from our families. So we want to fit in with our peers. And when that doesn't go well, that creates really deep memories. So it's not surprising to me that the, the folks that this was not a great period of their life, they're like, why would I go back there? You know, that yeah. actually brings up some really tough emotions and times for me. So why would I revisit that? So I Totally, I totally get that. If parents can see that a child is just not right for their child and like the friendship is not a good one, is there anything that they can do or should do or do we just let it run its course? You know, and, and you know, kids, especially when we get to the preteens and teens, you know, sometimes if we, we start to make a strong statement that we don't want them to be hanging out, they're going to do just that. You know, so, so I think your know, parents need to be careful there. I do think that we, you know, we can ask questions like, hey, how does it feel when you hang out? I've noticed sometimes, you know, after hanging out with so-and-so that you seem a little upset. So, you know, I, preteens and teens, they have this super duper antenna of parental judgment, whether we're judging them or whether we're judging their friends, they are onto it immediately and they hate it. So, you know, if we're going to try to talk to our kids about this, I would try to be so careful not to. And just if, the, if, the, if you feel like they're not being treated well, try to bring their awareness to that, you know, in the most gentle way that you can. Um, so that to me is, is the best approach. Cause like I said, sometimes if we, we come down really hard, um, and then, but they really want to stay friends with them, um, you know, that, that, that's tough for everybody because then they know that you really don't like them. So it's, it, this is a tough one to navigate and, and it goes back to, seeing this phase of life, you know, our role as parents is to help our kids learn to develop healthy skills. And one of those skills is learning how to be treated well. You know, we, we, we learn how to be treated well as a person. So, so bringing some awareness to when they're not being treated well. And on the flip side to that, how do we as parents support our children when a friendship that on the outside looked really good all of a sudden fall apart and it's totally done, totally dusted. 
Yeah, and this one I come come to first, of course, with empathy because when any relationship that is close changes, that that hurts, you know. So there's going to be some grieving there, um, you know, and some real discomfort. So letting your kid know that that's okay. That is so normal. Whenever we are moving out of a relationship or something has really hurt us, it is discomfort. So, so, you know, as parents, we can let our kids know that it's, that we are uncomfortable sometimes and we do need to grieve the loss of a relationship and just being as, you know, empathetic as we can to them. Um, and, you know, giving them, Lots of time to talk and listen and space, um, but letting them know that that's okay. And and it, it again, it's normal. You know, back to the friendship pyramid. You know, our relationships go through phases and changes over time, and it's there's nothing easy about that, especially when it's a real close relationship. And my daughter just recently changed schools. She changed schools midway through the year. We work on a on a uh, January to December school year. She moved from a public school to a private girls school. So it was a, a completely different shift. And one of her main concerns was, Mum, what about if I don't get any friends? What about if no one likes me? Because of the whole Snapchat, Instagram, social media world, girls and boys moving schools, there's views passed on and, oh, you know, Addie's going to you know, your school and she's going to start next term and they were getting information on her arriving and, you know, it was really discerning for her. And all I could say to her at that point in time was just be your authentic self. Like once everybody knows the real you, then those that want to be friends with you will be attracted to you. But like she was still, you know, super scared. What's some advice that you can share with parents and also teenagers that do have to move schools constantly, whether it be for work or um, I don't know, personal reasons or just not getting along at one school because, you know, it does happen. School changes do happen. Yeah. And that's a big one, especially at those crucial years, you know, where they just want to really be connected with friends. So acknowledging those emotions, um, you know, that it is hard and, you know, just being, you know, recognizing that because as soon as we as humans start to name those emotions, we're on the path to taming them. So if we can create a home space where they can talk about, oh my God, it was so uncomfortable. I had to, I had to sit by myself at lunch today, you know, just the, just sharing that, you know, it helps to ease the pain of that instead of bottling it all in, up inside. So, you know, parents can help to talk to their kids about self-care. So we, we all go through these stressful times. And for kids, that that's pretty up there on the stress scale. You know, starting a brand new school and not knowing who your friends are, that is really stressful. Yeah. So, you know, we can talk to kids about how, how can you take care of yourself? Because I know this is this is this is hard. So so what would be helpful for you? You know, taking the dog for a walk after school or, you know, just having a movie. We could do a binge movie night on Saturday night, but just acknowledging this is hard. You know, and when things are hard and stressful, it's real important to honor that, recognize it in ourselves and do things to take care of ourselves during that phase, but also let them know this happens to a lot of people, you know, so, right. so this is not unique to you and you are going to get through this. You're, yeah, gonna you're get not through the this. only person that's ever changed schools, in, you know, in your yes. life. Yeah. 
Yes. Yep. So you will get through this. You're going to be surprised. You're going to meet some friends. It, it might not be easy or happen, you know, in an instant, but it's going to happen. So you just keep being, to use your awesome words, just keep being your authentic self because that is the best way to attract, you know, the, you know, your, your true friends just by being you, but, you know, just be by their side because it is a hard time, especially, you know, yeah. for teens. Yeah. I've, I really love this chat on friendships and I think a lot of parents out there will will need this and will totally relate. In closing, what tip for teenagers or parents um, that you can give? One magical golden piece of information. You know, I think what helps kids navigate and parents too is, you know, on every given day we are all doing the best we can with our circumstances, you know? So when we come across really challenging situations or people, you know, just keeping our headspace there that, you know, everybody is doing the best they can with their circumstances. And when it comes to kids, skills too. So just, you know, that might help and, and help them forgive themselves when they mess up too, you know? And we as parents, when we mess up too, because we all are just doing the best we can and learning as we go. And just on that, it's it's great that you say that. When kids at school aren't being necessarily nice, it's also important for us to realise that, you know, they might be going through some pretty rough times in their life right now so you know maybe cut them a little bit of a slack because yep. they're doing the best that they can with what they're dealing with right now come at them with love instead of you know you're being a total douche today what's wrong type thing yeah and so maybe you know that doesn't feel like a very safe friendship so maybe that's in the friend bucket where we we have a lot of wiggle room there you know but you know we're gonna we're they're gonna be in the friend bucket but we know that that's not the safest friendship. So we're going to be, we're going to protect ourselves there, you know, but, but we, you know, I always, you know, encourage kids to lead with kindness, you know, because that makes school a much better place. I love that. I love that. Thank you, Jessica, so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I will pop all of the links to all of your socials and to your books and how to contact you in the notes. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me, Sasha. And thank you for doing this. This is so important. You know, these resources for parents are so important. So thank you for for what you're putting out there too. And just like that, it's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the last 20 or so minutes and have walked away with some golden nuggets of information. If you'd like to join our Raising Resilient Teens Facebook group, the link will be in the comments. And until next time, ciao.